This Hard Parking brought to you by Right Honda and Right Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Jay Finney. Coming up on today's show, we're going to get into some car news. Lewis Hamilton specifically. Um, speaking of car news, the CRV video that I did with Right Honda, Joe Tenalia, that is, <laughs> I finally got that up. It's finally on YouTube. So, guys, please go check that out. That is YouTube at Hard Parking. Or you can find it at Jay Finney as well. I'm out there. Some studio updates, what's going on around me in the space that I'm sitting at. I don't know if this is going to sound different because some things have moved around. My home office is actually a little empty. It's not really empty, but just I'm so used to there being another desk in front of me and a few other things going on. Answer some of the questions. Thank you for submitting those questions. I typically ask those on the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group. Got some toy drives and Fuel Fest is this next weekend. All that and more after this word from Four Wheel Online. Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about 4 Online. For over a decade, 4 Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at 4 Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's 4Wheel Online, the number 4Wheel Online. So the other day I'm driving and the Infinity, it's the check engine light comes on. And now it's just kind of anticipated. It's not blinking, but if you recall, almost two years ago now, holy crap, was it two years ago? Please tell me it wasn't two years ago. I say that in panic because when I registered my vehicle, I registered for two years instead of one because what had happened was the catalytic, the catalytic converter was kind of going out on me. It was on national back order. I only had a certain amount of days to register the vehicle. So I got those Fowlers, those emission defeating devices. So you stick it on your catalytic converter and it moves, it, it, it adds an extra inch or two from your O2 sensor. And if the catalytic converter doesn't pick up with the O2 sensor sending, then it doesn't send a code. That's a very technical. Well, it's not technical for car people, but technical for those of you who aren't car people. But one of the most common codes that goes off on your car means, oh, your O2 sensors are out. You need to replace those. In this case, it's not the O2 sensors. It's the actual catalytic converter. So anyway, that came back on the other day, and I'm like, shit. All right, so I pulled out my little code reader. Well, everybody should have one. They're like anywhere from 50 to $75. You plug it in. It tells you your fault codes in your vehicle. You can take that to your dealership or you can take that to the auto parts store. You know before they know what's what's going on with it. I clear the codes. Has it come back? That was like two weeks ago. But still, it's like, because the last time I had the vehicle in, we fixed a lot of things, but there's some stuff we didn't fix because, you know, every dollar you throw at the vehicle like Yvette gets mad, like, oh my God, you should just fix it and sell it. I'm like, why would I fix it and sell it? Because in today's market, what am I, what else am I going to buy that gives me what this vehicle gives me, the Infinity? It's it's cool. It's semi-rare. It's fast. It's my, my everyday vehicle, so I take it to Home Depot. I don't mind getting it a little bit dirty. It is my utility vehicle. But, you know, anything short of a pickup truck, there's not a lot of SUVs out there that, that fit everything I want. If I get something that's too nice, then I want to park it in the garage. But what am I going to get that's so nice that costs as little as we paid for the Infinity? We paid we paid twelve five for it, and at that point it was about four or five thousand under market, and it was out in the middle of nowhere. 
So you guys may have seen that video that I did on YouTube where I bought the Infinity and drove it back. And by the way, wrong thumbnail. I said I drove it back like 2,000 miles. It's more like 1,700. So I'm going to have to fix that thumbnail at some point. It is clickbait. No one's ever called me out on it, which is kind of funny. But um, we just put a lot of money in the car. And there's the rear, there's a differential drivetrain, I don't know, there's something on the rear. It's a huge gasket, and it's like split down the middle. So what it's doing, it's doing is it's causing the rear of the car to kind of bounce around a little bit. And um, it's very common, and especially in Infinities, Toyotas. But there's not a lot of, like, the, what makes mine different, it's a 5.0 liter. And so some of the parts are just bigger all around the car, not just in the engine. It's like a $600 repair, and I'm, I'm tempted just to take it and get it repaired. But Yvette complained about shit like that. But uh, I, at this point, I just, with this last issue, and, you, and you're starting to smell, something's leaking, and it kind of smells. And I've had that happen before, and it was a leaky valve covers. And it's just, like, I thought about selling the car, like, for the first time. I'm like, man, super rare vehicle. I've bought parts for it. I haven't put it on the car yet, like, cosmetic stuff. But what else would I get? And I'm not asking you guys to email me or send me a message on social media and give me suggestions on what vehicles I can get. I'm perfectly able to look it up online. But it's just one of those things where it's like, we're still paying on it. We don't pay that much a month. But if I turn around and sell it, because I put a lot of work into it, I'd have to sell it for like 16 or 17. And you think, okay, I'm making a profit because I paid 12 for it. But I've probably put five or six grand into this thing easily. Maybe seven grand. That's a lot of money. And some of that is cosmetic, you know, like the dashboard. The dashboard was complete shit. And I picked it up, paid $1,400 for a brand new one, which was over $1,000 off. But then I had to pay to get it installed. So I'm, you know, $2,600 of that is the dashboard. And there's a few other little things. But nothing, like all my wheels are rashed. I did one of them. The three other three came rashed. You know, that's 150 bucks a piece to get that repaired. You know, there's so much stuff I could do to it. But I have to decide, do I want to keep it, fix it up, turn into an Overland vehicle, turn into my new car show vehicle? Because honestly, that was kind of one of the decisions was, okay, when I buy this thing, it's going to kind of be my car show car, but not too fancy. But I don't want to take the NSX everywhere at all the, all the car shows. It's a rare fucking car. It costs a lot of money. But I don't know. Speaking of the NSX, I went to a Highline Auto Cars and Coffee. They do it once a month, and it's up in like Deer Valley or it's like way north of Scottsdale. And I was getting on the highway coming back, and this is 35 miles from the house. I start to get on it on the highway. I downshift, because you can do a paddle with downshift with a paddle, okay? It's not like, you know, we all know it's not a manual transmission. But it's got this thing where if you just hold the paddle down, it goes all the way down to the lowest gear possible for the engine. It's basically race mode. And I take off, but not that fast. Take get, Go up to like 90, and I hear this, I'm like, but it's really quick, and the car just, like, loses acceleration. I go, oh, okay, that's not good. And I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I bet it's my charge pipe. Because I, I bought these charge pipes from Pride, and they're titanium. You may have seen them on my social media. They're kind of burnt titanium, so they have kind of the the the, uh, the blue, purplish burn on them. Beautiful. Just cosmetics for the NSX. And it, this has happened before. And I'm sure as shit, within a few moments— all my warning lights come on. That's, the NSX is useless when you have a problem. It tells you your hill climb assist is off. Your braking system is out. Like it, it cycles through like six different things. None of them are ever the, ever the actual issue. 
But thank God this has happened before, so I already knew it, so I didn't panic. So, But I drove home in limp mode. And what's funny, on the NSX, limp mode is limited to 72 miles an hour. Now, that sounds fast, but it's not really fast. The speed limit is 65. And so I'm still going faster than the speed limit, but I'm used to driving 85, 90 miles an hour everywhere I go in that car. It's just easy to do. Whether I'm in EV mode or Sport Plus mode, it's just easy to do. So I'm driving and just chilling. You know, I'm that guy... You ever, you ever drive on the highway when you're a kid or, you, you know, even when you just get older and you see that guy in the really nice car, like a Ferrari or something, and they're, they're driving slow, and you, you say to yourself, holy shit, man, if I had that kind of car, I'd be flying around. They're driving super slow. What the hell? Use the car for what you're supposed to use it for, buddy. That was me. But I I, I couldn't. I, and I it, will, it will not go over 72. I just leave my foot on the gas. Constant. And if I coast and it gets below 72, then I can hit it and it'll accelerate past 72 to about 73, 74. Then it cuts off and then levels you back off at 72. But I got home. I fixed it. It took a couple hours. I, it's funny. I take the, take the engine cover off, flash the light down there, and you can see it's off. But it's just such a pain in the ass to get to. So it takes a long time to do, which is crazy because you can reach around after you take everything off and see it and feel it and take a photo of it. But it's just such a weird angle and there's stuff that's in your way. It just takes forever to do. No complaints. Fuel Fest is coming up this next weekend. That is December 10th. I did not get a chance to get a hold of Cody Walker. Really wanted to have him on the show. We've talked about it in person a few times about having him come through the studio, talking about Fuel Fest, doing whatever else. He said, yeah, cool, down, dude. I'm down, let's do it. But he getting a hold of that guy is so difficult. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that friend. I don't want to be that that person that everything's transactional. Like, I want to be able to just hang out and have a beer. I don't want everything to be about the podcast or about what's going on in Fast and Furious and what's going on in his world. Because I feel like people like that don't have those people. Everybody wants something from them. And they don't really have people they can just hang out with as much. I mean, there's probably one or two people, but, you know, I don't want to be that guy, so I don't really bring it up as much. But then maybe part of it's just me. I'm a hands, I'm I'm an arm length away from so many high-end interviews, but some of the people I bug, and they just, they won't book. They want to do it. Yeah, yeah, sure, let's do it, let's do it, but then they're, they're never available. And I won't name names, but it does get frustrating. Studio updates. So I have these, these things called very polls. Some of you may know what that is. Some of you may not. V-E-R, like very good. V-E-R-I-P-O-L-E, very poles. So I bought two of them for a couple hundred dollars. Thank you, Patreons. Thank you, sponsors that helps, you know, with the money. And then I got a cross piece. And my goal is to mount cameras, mount, not microphones, but I want to get, I have some studio lighting in here that I got last year for Christmas because it's kind of funny. A lot of these homes in Arizona that are built in the 90s, they have the ceiling fans, but no one thought to actually put a fan in with a light. And so the light switch activates an outlet. In the outlet, typically you have a lamp plugged into the outlet. So if you want to turn the room on, you want to turn the lights on in the room, you hit the light switch and then the lamp turns on. But you have to make sure the lamp stays on the on position when you leave the room. Otherwise, all that light switch does is activate that outlet, and then you have to find the lamp in the dark and turn it on if it's at night. So last year, I asked for some some studio LED panels, 
And so that's typically that's what I've been using for the last year to light the light the studio. That and my cake pan light, my sixty six dollar cake pan light that I actually bump my head on almost every time I'm making shirts because it's right above where the other desk used to be, which by the you know within a week I I got a new desk from Home Depot. I just have to build it, and then that's going to eventually be the desk that I'm sitting at now. But for now, it's going to be the guest desk because it has a couple of drawers. And then we have these giant butcher blocks that Yvette bought for our remodel downstairs that we never used and we never returned. And then she wants to pull that shit where she just walks into Home Depot and says, hey, we bought these. We lost the receipt. Can we get store credit? Let me use them. I'm going to just turn those into studio desks. So I'm going to need to buy some legs for them, and we're going to turn them into desks. But, I mean, this, this thing's coming along. You know, it's, it's tough being a one-man operation. I know a lot of us who do what I do, that's what it is. And eventually, you know, you can kind of outsource some stuff, but you can't outsource this. Like, you can't outsource your studio design unless you want to pay someone a lot of money to come in here and design your studio for you, which I don't even know if that really exists. That's why YouTube exists. So you kind of get on there and you look at all the new stuff that's out and what you should or shouldn't be spending money on. But remember, last week I talked about that fucking lens that I paid $400 for just to turn around and find another one that's almost just as good and is just as good for what I'm going to use it for for 100 bucks. So there's that. So it's like, all right, I have the $66 cake pan light that is literally made out of a cake pan. I made that video. Let me know if you want it. It's a terrible video. It's one of my first YouTube videos. It's shit. I should actually remake the video because I thought about making another cake pan light for the cost of overhead lighting. It's just ridiculous. But this lamp that I put in that's over me right now, that was only $100, and that provides excellent light. In fact, you guys may have seen the YouTube short that I uploaded, the video where I almost fucking killed myself. I was changing out the fan in my mother-in-law's room. It was... She wanted the fan that I took out of this room. It's a white fan, no light again. When I changed, took it off in this room, I turned the light switch off. I was like, all right, I'm not going to touch the wires. The light switch is off. The light switch is off. It's not sending power to the wires. Good to go. I was fine in here, but when I was in her room, I did the same thing. So I took the fan, the main unit of the fan off, this big heavy thing, and then there's the bracket. Now, there's the, the bracket exists to... If you have the ceiling fan that kind of hangs down on like a six or seven inch rod, it has like a big rubber ball in the end, and that rubber ball goes into an opening on the bracket, and it just gravity. And that's how your fan kind of swings back and forth if you have it on high. It's swinging in that bracket on that rubber ball. So it looks like it's going to fly off and come crashing down and kill you, but it's that's never going to happen because that metal bracket is holding it, and that metal bracket is secured into the fuse box that's secured into the two by four or the ceiling joist or whatever, whatever that thing's on. Anyway, I, I go to take it off and the wires touch and this thing just starts snap, crackle, popping. It's loud as shit. Sparks flying everywhere. I'm standing on my mother-in-law's bed and I'm just, you know, reactionary, right? So you get your hands off of it. And I don't know, I did some shimmy move on the bed. I didn't fall off because I was standing on her bed because her bed goes like under the fan. Like five minutes later, I realized that my knee kind of hurt. And I I must have hyperextended my knee, my left knee, somehow in just kind of balancing myself and just reacting. 
and so it's it hurts now. And I've done this before. I usually go to the breaker box and I flip the breaker. Definitely going to do it whenever we actually replace our fan because what happened was they're like, "Hey, my mom, Yvette's like, hey, we're not. Never mind. This is after I almost killed myself. We're just going to buy a new fan." It's like, all right, very good. So I took this old fan in the office, took the fan from her room, and I donated those to Goodwill. And then we're just going to get her a new fan. But when that happens, I'm going to flip that light switch so I don't fucking kill myself. Because if I die, no more hard parking with Jay Finning. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton is in the news, but not for what you would think. A rental company in Japan is upset because they rented him a nice R34 GTR in which he took to the streets, posted a video on Instagram. Hooning is what the article says. Carbuzz reports the car is owned by Japanese company Omoshiro Rent-A-Car, which rented the Nissan out to Hamilton or an associate during the Japanese Grand Prix weekend. The video was filmed shortly afterwards, but Hamilton's outright hooning was an apparent violation of the company's policies. In a tweet attributed by the company, the brand simply says that such driving is prohibited. Of course, such driving is prohibited. They can't say we encourage the people who rent our vehicles to do this. So I decided to look up the video on Instagram. Believe it or not, I actually don't follow Lewis Hamilton. Nothing personal. Not that he would care. You'd be surprised the people that I do and don't follow on social media. I just don't. So let's just take a look at this. Okay, you have him in a white R34 rubbing his hands together like we about to do this. Driving through the tunnels. So far, nothing crazy. Working that manual transmission, though. Okay, now he's doing donuts in a parking lot. Keep in mind, in a parking lot. Flying through a tunnel, hyperspeed, speed up the video like everybody does when you're driving. When you have a GoPro, you might as well do this. The console is smoking because of uh, so much tire action on the, on, the, on the tarmac. Nice song choice. This thing is hip. There he is doing another donut, kind of like a half drift. All right, fantastic video. Uh, 1.75 million likes. This guy has 30 million people following him. So a couple things. I didn't really see anything bad on that video. Of course, obviously he's doing donuts in the car, but if you look at the video, and most of you probably have, it's controlled. It's in a controlled space. He's obviously in a parking lot of some sort. You see the metal stanchions, the metal, whatever those those pop-up gates that they use at, at all major events. So he's clearly in a controlled space. He's not out in the middle of the street doing like a streetcar takeover style stuff. And then the rest of the video, you can tell based on the flow of traffic around him, even though the video is sped up, you can tell he's driving, you know, within 10, 15 of the speed limit because, I mean, a lot of countries speeding, like we think we have it bad in the United States, get caught speeding in some other country. That's it. They don't care who you are. So I think this is much to do about nothing. A really enjoyable video. GoPro, all these other companies are, are replying to it. Nothing but positive. I understand this company's like, hey, you're not supposed to do that in our car, but come on. It's Lewis freaking Hamilton. Whether it was me or Lewis Hamilton, sure, are we breaking the rules? But I probably wouldn't upload that. And even if I did, the company would never know because no one cares about me. They care about Lewis. So this is much to do about nothing. This article comes courtesy of MotorBiscuit.com. Volkswagen built a crazy electric office chair. Race your coworkers. Mark Putzer. Volkswagen is making a major push toward electric vehicles. Uh, yeah, who isn't? This includes the ID4 crossover and SUV ID Buzz Microbus. 
as well as plans for other electric vehicles in coming years, blah, 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 blah. Volkswagen office chair has a top speed of 12 mile an hour. Here's the deal. 12 mile an hour doesn't sound very fast. Imagine sitting in a chair and going 12 mile an hour. A lot of people probably run an average of 12 mile an hour. Not sprinting. I think most people, most athletic people or people who are relatively in shape could probably sprint up to 18 to 19 mile an hour for a very short amount of time. So there's a picture of this guy sitting in this office chair. It's got headlights on it and everything kind of just below where the armrests are. When one thinks automotive engineers, images of workers hard at night with, with tight deadlines might come into mind. Perhaps Volkswagen engineers in Norway that built the electric office chair had little, a little too much time on their hands in the depths of cold Scandinavian winter. So too much time on your hands is a trigger for me. When I was younger and I had aspirations of being an artist in some way, shape, or form, whether it's an animator or design shoes like Nikes or whatever else in a, a sports illustrator, I would create this stuff or I'd do flip books and people would say, oh, that's cool. Or they'd say, wow, someone's got too much time on their hands. That's like a, that's not even a compliment. That's kind of a diss if you think about it. Someone spent a ton of time, a lot of time, obviously, but someone spent a ton of time doing something. And then for you to say, for anyone to say, wow, someone has way too much time on their hands. Can you, that's, that's not a, it's not a good thing to say to someone. It's kind of shitty actually. Like, wow, that's creative. Because we all have the same amount of time in our lives. We just decide what we want to do with that time. So if my passion is drawing and I want to spend 12 a.m. till 4.30 in the morning drawing, that's it's weird. That's when I used to draw my best. I'd sit at the dining room table like all night and draw. But that's the time that I chose where the creativity came out. It's not that I had a lot of time on my hands. I just choose to use the time that I had to do that. What are you choosing your extra time for? I just climbed to the top of Mount Everest. Wow, someone has way too much time on their hands. Anyway, so this is built by Volkswagen Commercial Vehicles in Norway. The EV office chair is simply called the chair. While premium office chairs typically place an emphasis on maximum comfort, Volkswagen engineers took a different took things in a different direction. They installed one with an electric motor so you can drive it. So they made a wheelchair. Get it? A wheelchair? You guys? Riding on four-inch aluminum wheels, it has a top speed of 12 mile an hour. In the video, you can see the engineers coming comically. In the video, you can see the engineers comically buzzing around the office in the EV office chair. Potential uses for the motorized chair include racing your coworkers, dodging a micromanaging boss, or an emergency bathroom breaks when you really have to go in a hurry. You know, as funny as that sounds, it doesn't make any sense, right? If you have to use the restroom, you're never going to get to the restroom faster in a typical office than if you just went on your feet because you have to slow down the chair, turn right, make sure no one's coming, make sure you don't run into somebody else's chair, make sure you don't hit the corner of a desk, make sure you don't hit the corner of a cubicle, which could derail or spill you, cause an accident, then you have to call the police, then they have to come take a report. Just get up and walk to the restroom. So this thing comes with a seatbelt so you don't have to worry about falling off when you make hard turns around the cubicles. To alert others of your presence or if annoyed by a chatty coworker in the office gossip, you can blare the horn and for lighting your way in dark hallways, there's an LED headlights and strip lights. Cute. I worked at a couple call centers where at a certain time, the lights turned out. Not the electric, but like five or six in the afternoon, the lights just turned out for a while. It's kind of cool. Let's watch this video. See what I'm looking at here. Oh, 
Can't even click on the video. It's a screenshot of a video with a little play arrow on it. That's messed up. It reminds me of this thing I would post on uh, Instagram that I obviously stole from someone else. It's like how to trick a monkey. And it's a picture of a monkey and it's got a little play arrow on it. And you want to sit there and you keep tapping the screen because you want to see the video except for you are the monkey and you got tricked into thinking that there was a video to play. And finally, I was we were chatting at work the other day. Well, <clears throat> I wasn't physically at work because I work from home. But we have a group chat. And one of the guys had said, hey, um, I'm having some car issues, so I'm going to have to take my partner to work, and we're down to one car. And I started thinking, because this guy lives in the Midwest, and it was cold and it's shitty. And I, and I was like, well, and so I asked the group, would you rather have your vehicle break down in the coldest of winter or the hottest of summer? It's a good question. I think I'm going to add that to the Q&A for my guests. It's hard. Some people said summer. Some people said winter. Now, I grew up in Texas, and we had – it was hot. I grew up in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so not as far south as, like, Houston, where the humidity is unbearable. But we had these very humid days in Dallas still. And, you know, the average hot – you know, it would get over 100 degrees often, but it wasn't as hot as it is now in Arizona. But it was a more damp hot, like super sticky and then the winters, believe it or not, in Texas suck, depending on where you're at. I think I talked about, talked about that previously. Because what happens is, sure, it doesn't snow as much, but it definitely gets cold. And I don't know if I'd rather watch. I do know. I would rather it be 25 degrees outside and snowing than for it to be 36 degrees outside and sleeting. Overcast and sleeting, so you have a wintry mix, which is rain mixed with ice, where you think it's snow, but it's not really. So that is your average winter in Dallas is it's super windy, 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. It seems like all the time. Uh, and every once in a while there's drizzle. So it'll might be 40 overcast, windy and misting. That sucks. And then I lived in Michigan for 15, 17 years, West Michigan, where we got snow lake effect or lake effect snow. So that's technically how you say it. And then now in Arizona. And I think I would rather break down in the middle of an Arizona summer. It would suck. And hopefully if I broke down, it was in the city. But that dry heat is a dry heat. It sucks. Think about dry heat is you can walk. Like you can walk a certain amount of distance and you won't sweat. But once you start sweating, you won't stop sweating. It's weird. It's like your body's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm losing. I'm this, this, this is such a dry heat. It's dehydrating, and now I need to sweat or else I'm going to shrivel up like a raisin and die. Obviously, humidity, walk into your mailbox like in Miami, you look down, you have those little dots on your shirt because you're sweating from the inside out, which is always weird and uncomfortable. But yeah, I think I'd rather do that. But what about you guys? So anyway, we had this discussion at work and going back and forth, and I told people, I said, well, in Arizona, we have this stuff we call carbicues, and that's when your car just spontaneously combusts because you have leaking fluids, it's too hot outside, blah, 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 and everyone's like, that's crazy. It is. So I decided to look it up. According to Statistica.com, in 2021, there were 174,000 reported vehicles on fire on the road in the United States. So it's not just an Arizona thing. And then I looked a little further and back in like the 80s, 
Like 1980 to 89 was a rough patch for the United States. There were 500,000 to 600,000 reported car fires on the roads back then. Think about that. Half a million vehicles caught on fire for some way, shape, or form on the side of the road, whether it was an auto accident, whether it was the leaky fluid thing, like I was saying earlier, or the cars were just built terrible and they just spontaneously combusted. That's crazy. And that is the car news. Before I get into the Q&A segment, it's been a while since I've done Random Thought of the Week. This is something that I usually like to ask people when I have an in-studio guest, and it's been a while since I've had an in-studio guest. I've invited a lot of people, and I haven't you know, made those appointments with them. But there's this thing. My son's one of these people. My coworker, one of my coworkers that I've worked with for a long time, George. You guys haven't heard the name George in a long time. You know what? I actually work with George now, though. And I've said that before in the past that I miss George. We used to go to lunch all the time when we worked in New Jersey together. Well, we worked at Atlantic in New Jersey together. And we also worked in Chicago together for almost a year. But I sent him a, a trailer to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And his response was, oh, I see you sent me a trailer. I'm not going to watch it. I don't watch trailers. I just watch the movies when they come out. And my son's like that. He doesn't watch the trailers. He doesn't like watching movie trailers. Are you guys like that? Hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Like me, I love movie trailers. I want to, I want to be hyped. I want to know exactly what to expect. And there's still, there's still a lot of stuff that you just, if it's a good trailer, it doesn't tell you everything in the movie. Like most, most Will Smith movie trailers tell you everything in the movie within two and a half minutes. So it's like, why am I watching the movie? Like, what's that one where he is a millennial man or something? The one where his younger version of himself tries to kill his current self, Gemini man. You could totally tell in in the previews. Okay, all right. Well, he's a professional assassin. Now all of a sudden, there's a younger version of him. And the younger version, he's fighting the younger version in the trailer. And then you know at some point him and the younger version are going to team up and fight other people together. Like that's that's what happens. And that's what happens in all these movies. But most of the good movie trailers, like the Marvel ones, you kind of get a gist of what to expect. But by the way, Marvel does this thing where they'll hit you with some stuff in the trailer. And some of that stuff won't even make the actual movie. It's, it's amazing. But, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And, and I sent it to George because I know he watches those movies. I sent this stuff to Marcelo and them because I don't want to have to answer their questions. Who's that? I didn't know that person was going to be in the movie. I didn't know what this was about. I don't remember that guy. I don't know. Are you guys, I, I, don't, I do not understand the I don't want to watch trailers. If you have any investment in something, why would you not want to watch the trailers? Like, let's say The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. You see the trailer and you're like, oh, wow, that looks good. I want to see that movie. And then you go and see it and you love it. And then when the second one comes out, you see the trailer and you're like, holy shit. Did you see that? Did you see what's happening? We got to see that movie. So, I don't know. Where are you guys with that? That's my random thought of the week. People who don't like trailers. I don't get it. Here's the deal. Let me walk that back a little bit. If you have an investment, if you have an emotional interest level investment into a series, then you should want to watch the trailer. If it's just some random movie and they're like, hey, uh, this movie is out. 
do you want to go see it? I'm like, oh, sure. I haven't really heard about it, but I guess. That sounds cool. Who's in it? Well, it's Vin Diesel and blah, 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 blah. And it's about da, da, da. I was like, oh, okay, sure. Let's go see it. But if it's something that's, again, part three or part two of something that you love and the person you send it to, you know they love it, then why the fuck wouldn't you want to see a trailer? Let's get into the Q&A. Here's a, here's a cool one. And this is one I'm going to ask guests to. This comes from Jen. Jen always asks these super insightful questions. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to answer that. This is supposed to be fun. So she asked, what's your favorite OG Nintendo game and why? I don't know. Uh, I've played a lot of old school Nintendo. And this is hard. This is a hard question because most of the people have... Their only exposure to Nintendo was like the Game Boy or these... these, What do they call them? Emulators? Where you can load like 50 games because they take up no size until these small little... I don't know fun, tangible arcades, but it's not like people who play Xbox and PlayStation where they're playing like legit modern games. Most people who play old Nintendo games are old people or little kids because the games are so fucking simplistic. Favorite OG Nintendo game and why? Probably Tecmo Bowl, the original Tecmo Bowl, although Tecmo Super Bowl 2 was up there, but that wasn't the original Nintendo. That was the Second Nintendo, but not Nintendo 64. The Super Nintendo, I think. Yeah, that was on Super Nintendo because I had Deion Sanders and I played with with the, the 49ers. But I would say Tecmo Bowl. Why? Be- because there's nothing like giving the ball to Bo Jackson and you run in kind of a zigzag and they hit the back of your foot and they go flying off. Or they try to attack you and they go flying off. In that game, either they weren't going to catch you or they were. Either you would take way off or they would tackle you immediately. It's weird. It, the game, was it's not a very good football game. And then there's Blaster Master. So it's a toss-up between Blaster Master and Tech Mobile. But Blaster Master may have been Super Nintendo. It was a little more advanced. I don't think that's OG. I think it's Super Nintendo. I'll have to look that up. Good question. Byron asks, will EVs be limited by the fact that they're not really serviceable by the owners? I thought about this for a second. We get a lot of EV com- EV questions submitted, which is amazing to me because I think that there's like EV saturation topic-wise. But I thought about this because I wasn't quite sure what this meant. And I and, and Byron, you're going to have to tell me. You're going to stop by the house because you have an open invite. You have to stop by the house and we could talk about this. But my thought after reading this and trying to decide what it is you're actually asking me with this is there's people who like working on their cars. Maybe that's what he means by serviceable by the owners, but to what degree? Because you're still going to be able to change your own windshield wipers. You're still going to change your own cabin air filter, right? You're still going to put air in your tire when your tire's low. You know, you're not changing your own oil. You could still do that, but I don't know anybody who actually likes to do that. The only reason you do that is to save money. I used to do it all the time because it's easy. What are you going to do? You're going to go to AutoZone. You're going to buy five or six quarts of oil. You're going to buy the oil filter. You're going to buy the crush washer. And then you have a container to put the old oil in. And that was always a thing that was a pain in the ass. Was, okay, now you have this giant container. You put the old oil in it. But now you have to transport the oil back to AutoZone and pour it in that giant jug. So now it becomes inconvenience. And for the price of the oil filter, 
the oil, you know where I'm going with this. Especially if you get synthetic oil, it's almost as much as it's going to cost just to take the car to the dealership. Like these days, it's almost, it's close. It's no longer like this huge ripoff. And so, you know, the stuff that people typically do to their cars, you can still do to your car, I would say. And maybe I'm interpreting that wrong. You can still change your own brakes. Just because it's an EV doesn't mean it doesn't have brakes. Like mine has a brake by wire. My NSX is a brake by wire system. So there's no high, there's no brake fluid. It's all electronics, but the brake pads can still get worn out. The rotors can still get worn out. So will EVs be limited by the fact that they're not really limited? I don't, I don't know if the EV would be limited. Maybe you're talking about the market. Maybe you're thinking maybe people don't want to buy them as much because you can't work on your own car. And there's people who love to do that. But think about the vast majority of vehicle owners. 99.9999% of vehicle owners don't give a fuck about changing their own oil. They'd rather have somebody else do it. You can have your windshield wipers replaced at your dealership for like $300. Or you can do it yourself for like $30. And people are still going to pay that $300. Those are the only two questions I'm going to ask myself this week. Just did a couple toy drives. Did one at Arrowhead Honda, which was pretty cool. It was was raining and I didn't want to. I was like, "Eh, okay, do I want to go out there? I'm going to unveil a new livery for the car uh, for Fuel Fest. Again, that's next weekend. Also did a toy drive with Team Evolved. Team Evolved is, they are, they're big time One Auto supporters as far as what One Auto means. And if, if those of you don't know, that's my company. And I run it with a handful of people that helps me make better decisions. It's a community foundation. Well, it's not a foundation, but it's a community car group. So we're not a club, we're a community. So any car club can also be One Auto. And it's so hard for some of these car clubs to comprehend that. So it brings a smile to my face to see someone like Team Evolve, and they're they're a car club, but a lot of them have a one auto decal on their car. Team AZ Arizona Elites, bigger car club. A lot of them have one auto decals on their car or have one auto shirts. But so I went to the Team Evolve. It was badged as Team Evolve One Auto Rap Sesh, you know, holiday toy drive, but it really we didn't really push it, but they put our name on the flyer anyway. But I went to that. That was cool, you know, and I bought, I think it's a little car. And then to the Arrowhead Honda when I bought like this, this, uh, I forgot what the, what it's called, the, that dragon, that Disney dragon anime cartoon thing that came out recently, Raya Dragon. But I bought it for a girl because I feel like you go to these car meets and these big toy drives, these car toy drives, you're going to get a lot of toys for guys. It's, you know, on next weekend coming up on December 11th is a huge... Right Honda, right Toyota toy drive. And it's, you know, Sinker Santa's or Santa's going to be there. Santa's workshop's going to be food there. It's a car. It's like a cars and coffee, but there's also bicycles. And so we get to assemble bicycles for the needy, the kids. And we're having this bike assembly contest. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I bought 11 bikes, half of them little girls' bikes, so that we can assemble those. Uh, I use the Patreon money and sponsorship money from Right Honda to buy those. So I'm looking forward to that. You get to hear about that on the next episode. I want to thank Right Honda and Right Toyota Scottsdale, Arizona, foilonline.com, sell shop, wireless services, Westgate, exotic cars and rentals. Can't forget my Patreon business supporter, Kui Automotive out of Warren Garden, Florida, Pell Construction of Condor, Michigan, and Beat House, my home design out of Ashburg, Virginia, and Traverse City, Michigan. 
Mark Stoneman, Catherine Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Graves, Byron Jones, Bojong, Alex Camina, Andrew Bunkley. Thank you for hanging with me for another year. I won't take it personal if you decide to peace out. But for those of you who have not joined, as little as three dollars a month, you can join. There's there's a lot of bonus audio. Like there's a lot of bonus audio. Usually me going off about my life. Instagram at Jay Finning. Join the Heart Parking Violations Facebook group. And again, YouTube, man. The CRV video is up. I can't grow without you telling the world how great this show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. And I'll talk to you all next week. Shut up! <laughs> now it's stripping time. Ain't nobody got time for that.